Weekly Dynasty Podcast. We are here with your hosts, Dave Reed, Ryan Wilkinson, and Joey Gallo. Oh yeah, we got legit opening music. DJ Dirty Work, Harrison Kipple finally came through. He did it after me badgering him for weeks. We got we're a legit podcast, guys. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, awesome intro by DJ Dirty Work. If if that doesn't get you pumped for a fantasy analysis, I don't know what will. Yeah, baby, we're ready to go. We are ready, and it is episode four week. We- Every episode, something new. I'm loving it. Keep you guys on your toes. So we are uh, officially in the dog days of the summer here. So not a lot of uh, fantasy news coming out uh, at this time of the year, but we figured it might be fun to do, you know, a couple games, do analyze some ADP data. Uh, just, you know, keep it keep it fresh there for, for the listeners here. So Give I think some first, content to oh, consume. We, we love content, right? <laughs> Never content with enough content. That's right. Um, <laughs> So first thing we're going to dive into um, is start looking at some ADP data, because obviously this is a Dynasty podcast. We're playing in a Dynasty league, but all of us were also redraft players. And that's actually where we got our chops at. Um, and I always find it interesting to look at the data uh, for ADP between redraft and Dynasty, because it's obviously it's a different game. Uh, and Dynasty skews far more towards long-term potential, youth, the team situation, contracts, injuries, etc. cetera. Um, but... Even though it is Dynasty, it does feel like sometimes Dynasty players overvalue youth a little bit too much because the the main goal of the game is the same as redraft, to win a title. Um, and because of that, veterans often end up being pretty solid values in, in Dynasty leagues. Um, in reality, you should, it's really tough to look beyond two to three years in Dynasty. Player situations change so much. And a lot of the players that we'll mention, even though they're getting in the tail end of their careers, they still will probably produce for about two to three more years. Um, and in season, veterans actually seem to gain a lot more value because teams realize they need additional firepower. So you can actually trade your veterans for a lot more once you're in the season. In the offseason, they're dead. No one wants any of these old and busted guys. Um, so to do this analysis, we pulled the ADP data from Underdog for Redraft and the ADP data from Sleeper for Superflex Dynasty. Now, obviously, Superflex and Dynasty versus single QB in uh, redraft is a little hard to compare it for strict ADP. But when you start looking at positional only rankings, you start seeing where the differences lie. Um, also excluding rookies from this analysis, because in dynasty rookies, since they're obviously young and they, there's all the unknown potential, they get a boost. But in redraft, we know that rookies typically don't produce early on um, or at all. So they're still fighting for uh, playing time. So they usually get suppressed a little bit in uh, redraft. But with that, Let's jump on into it. So the first position, quarterback. Uh, so th- there's a couple of players that I noticed that are viewed or valued a little bit higher in Dynasty than Redraft. And those are Kyler Murray, who in Dynasty is the QB 15 and is the 22 uh, QB in Redraft. And Trey Lance, my boy, uh, the QB 19 in Dynasty and in Redraft is QB 31. But on the flip side of that, you got players who are more valuable in redraft, like Tua, uh, Tua I'm not even going to try to say his last name, uh, is the QB 10 in redraft at 14 in Dynasty. Aaron Rodgers is 16 in redraft, 24 in Dynasty. And Matthew Stafford, QB 20 in redraft and 31 in Dynasty. So, uh, Ryan and Joe, let's hear your thoughts on the, those differences there. Yeah, um, I could jump in first, right? Um, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. So first, first thought, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of value in redraft on Kyler Murray if he uh, actually ends up playing. Right. I mean, I think that there's a good, uh, there's a lot of conjecture as to will he play week one? Will he play midseason? Will he play at all? Um, I think generally speaking, I agree with your commentary that uh, the guys in uh, the guys whose ADP is higher uh, in dynasty is going to, they're going to be, there's going to be some value there, right? I mean, in the current year, right? So if you think about guys like Tua Rogers, obviously Stafford, I have on my squad. These are guys that are, that are likely to put up, Big numbers this year. I mean, Rodgers was league MVP a couple years ago, um, so I think that they'll there's there's value to be had. And when it comes to guys like Trey Lance here, I feel like in my in my opinion, and I know this is going to probably say, get a say something bad about it, Dave's it, quarterback. Do it, it. Just it just feels like it just feels like uh, valuing a guy like Trey Lance and Dynasty. Sometimes they can kind of turn out to be fool's gold, right? Because it's a situation well, where you're like, roasted. well, there <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of uh, potential and hopes and dreams, but you know you don't you don't know what that's going to uh, um, amount to. So. Not to say that it won't work out, but there's obviously question and risk, and and, and you're making your pick there with kind of hopes and dreams of something materializing versus the other guys who you know for sure will be out on the field and will be producing and putting up points that you can leverage to hopefully win a championship in the current year. Yeah, so yeah, I pretty much agree. I, I'm not too surprised with Kyler Murray and Trey Lance. I love seeing them both as the two main QB outliers, considering my two co-hosts are the owners of the two QBs. But uh, I, you know, I think people are still holding on hope for both of them long term. So there's a little more dynasty value there. Um, and then this year specifically, most people wouldn't want either currently as their QB in redraft. So, you know, Kyler needs to prove he's still the guy, show he's recovered from his ACL injury. Trey Lance needs to hope he still gets a chance to prove he's the guy and also recover from his ankle injury. There's a lot of talk that Brock Purdy is actually the starter if he's healthy. So it's hard to draft Trey Lance in redraft when it's just this year and there's so many question marks. So to see his value that much lower in redraft makes sense. And then, you know, Rodgers, Stafford, to uh, kind of what Joe said, you know, Rodgers, I think, is kind of the classic age gap scenario where people are expecting big things from him this year, but he only has a year or two left. So you're not going to draft him as high in redraft unless, you know, you're not too worried about replacing him. And Stafford, pretty much a similar situation. So um, there definitely could be some value there if you're looking to win a championship this year and you don't mind having to replace them in a year or two. Yeah, I mean, Trey Lance is a, uh, it's a moonshot for me. Uh, so, I mean. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. We will. We will see. We will see. Moving on to uh, the running backs. Uh, so this running backs and wide receivers is where I think you start seeing some even uh, more significant value. So, some running backs more valuable in Dynasty. You got Brees Hall, who's the running back three in Dynasty, 11 in redraft. Jamar Gibbs, who's six in Dynasty, 14 in redraft. And Kenneth Walker, 
RB8 in Dynasty, 16 in redraft, and even Javante Williams, RB16 in Dynasty and 29 in redraft, all young guns there. And then on the flip side, you got Austin Eckler, who is the number two in redraft and still number seven in Dynasty. Still a gap, but uh, still an RB1. Nick Chubb is the four in redraft, 12 in Dynasty. Aaron Jones, 17 in redraft and 26 in Dynasty. Alexander Madison, who's the 19 in redraft and 33 in Dynasty. And then uh, Javante's running mate, Samaje Piran, who's the 35 in redraft and 48 in Dynasty. So what are some of your thoughts on these guys? So Brees Hall, for me, was actually the biggest surprise when I took a look at the list of these guys. I was shocked to see he's going as low as RB11 in redraft, but extremely high in Dynasty. I feel like... The situation usually happens with lower level guys where it's like he's probably going to do nothing this year. So he could have some long term value, but in redraft, he's lower. Um, But here he's almost the first RB taken off the board in Dynasty. Um, If his Dynasty value is obviously sky high, he's 22 years old, was ripping off huge fantasy games last year before the injury. And it seems as though the dynasty community obviously has zero concern that the injury is going to cause him any issues going forward. So, you know, looking at the Jets, a lot of people are talking about them as Super Bowl contenders as well. You would think his redraft would honestly be close to where he's being drafted in dynasty. So I was pretty uh, surprised to see him that low and that much of a gap. Um Kenneth Walker, Javante Williams, both kind of age scenarios for me, both kind of Middle in the pack guys for redraft, but because they're young, they're going quite a bit higher in Dynasty. And then Eckler, Chubb, and Jones are really the opposite of that. They're older, so although they're expected to be top backs this year, they're going to go a little lower in Dynasty. Um, and then uh, Mattison, you know, he's going so much higher in redraft because of this specific situation. It looks like he could have a shot at the lead back role this year, and uh, that's valuable. So people are willing to take a shot this year, but people probably don't think he's going to be a great guy for years to come. So his dynasty is a little bit lower. Yeah. The Madison one is interesting to me because I know he's been in the league. I think this is his fifth year. Uh, He's 26 or 27 years old, something like that. He's on the older side. Um, But if you really, if, if, if you value Madison enough to think that he'll be an RB two this year, potentially with RB1 upside is what a lot of uh, the community seems to think. And he's just going to... He's gonna... currently 25, just for the for the record. Oh, he's actually falling back. In, that's in Dynasty or Redraft? No, he's 8. No, he's 25 years old. Oh, 25, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for him to be going as an RB2 in Redraft and an RB3 in Dynasty doesn't exactly make a ton of sense to me. I, I, I would... If I was in on him in redraft, I would be in on him at around a similar position in dynasty, I guess is what I'm saying, because these running backs don't have a long shelf life anyway. So when you when you take a guy like um, even Javante Williams, right, like if you get three or four really good years out of him right now, that would be a an, an above average ideal scenario. And, you know, if Madison can put together half of that, you know, two good years, right, if he's great this year. He'll likely be, he'll likely be good next year too. I think they gave him a two-year deal. Um, yeah, they did. So, um, on Brees Hall and and Javante Williams, I look at these two similarly. Um, to me, it's all about that kind of like 
recovery from ACL injury. Um, that seems to be, you know, for all, for many running backs, kind of aside from Adrian Peterson, it, it kind of takes uh, that, that first year back is usually a little bit slower. Um, and I guess for other position groups too, right? Like you look at a guy like Michael Gallup, who was kind of slow last year and, and the community seems to be slightly higher on him. I think the Cowboys too are expecting a little more from him second year off the injury. So um, I, I kind of agree with those, like those actually make a little more sense to me that they would, that, that those guys might be a little bit tempered in redraft, especially Javante who his injury was catastrophic. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there, even in the news now that he's hoping to be ready for a week one. And I, I don't care if he's ready and he's out there week one. Um, you know, we looked at JK Dobbins. He was out there early last year. And it he was not the same back that he was before the injury. And not to say that he's not going to regain. I think he will. I think Javante will definitely regain. But I don't think it'll be until the back half of this year, similar to Brees Hall, right? I mean, the Jets wouldn't be kicking around the idea of, of bringing in Dalvin Cook if they were expecting Brees Hall to be 100% right from the get-go. So, I mean, I know these. I know that dynasty kind of turns us all into like medical experts. Same situation going on with quarterbacks. With uh, Tua, everybody's kind of like a, con- a concussion expert when they're make- when they're drafting Tua in in dynasty and Stafford. And um, you know, it's obviously you're making a lot of assumptions on the long term health. But you know, I-, I think that's for me. Those are the ones that stick that stuck out. Um, and uh, yeah, I think at least from a running back standpoint, it, it may, maybe makes a little more sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, Javante thinks he could be ready for training camp. I'm just saying for my own value, uh, but no, I agree. The injury always takes longer, and the player always thinks they're healthier than uh, they end up being. But I think the biggest thing to me is guys like Eckler, Chubb, and Aaron Jones. Those guys couldn't easily win a team a championship this year, and their suppressed value. So, like even in season, like. You're not. It's probably going to be a lot harder to get a guy like Kenneth Walker than it is to get Austin Eckler, even though I think Austin Eckler or like Nick Chubb, even though they can provide way more value, especially this year. And you don't even know if these younger players will ever reach the output in a season that the older veterans can. Moving to wide receiver, uh, we have a, a couple of players. There's more that are higher in redraft that I noticed, but the few that were a little bit higher in dynasty that I saw were Michael Pittman, who is the 33 wide receiver off the board in redraft and 24 in dynasty. George Pickens, who in dynasty is 26, but in redraft is 40. And Jameson Williams, who's 29 in dynasty and 49 in redraft. And then on the flip, you got... Cooper Cup, who's the number three in redraft and 12 in Dynasty. Devonta Adams, who's the number nine in redraft and 16 in Dynasty. Calvin Ridley, uh, after two years of not playing, is the 16 in redraft and 25 in Dynasty. Got Amari Cooper, 18 in redraft and 33 in Dynasty. Keenan Allen, 19 in redraft, 39 in Dynasty. And Mike Williams, his running mate, who's 25 in redraft and 41 in Dynasty. So what are your thoughts here? So ahead, Mike, Mike Williams was probably my biggest surprise here, and not just because I have him. I just thought that was a pretty significant gap between his values. He is 28, so obviously he's on the older side, but he could still have some productive years ahead of him. And if you're 
expecting him to be wide receiver 25 in redraft, then I'm, I don't see why his dynasty value would take such a hit. Um, but obviously I think a lot of the guys that you just went over, it's mostly an age issue. Uh, you know, cup and Adams, they should be top guys this year, but they are older. So their dynasty value is starting to take a hit. Um, so nothing else really stood out to me too much. So Joe, why don't you go ahead? Yeah. I mean, Mike Williams feels to me like it's a similar situation as Tua and, you know, maybe some of these other guys that we talked about where the, the, he, he can't shake the injury prone bug, you know, where it's, it's kind of ridiculous that he and Keenan Allen are going within two picks of each other, basically at the same ADP in dynasty when Williams is much younger than Keenan and should in theory have much, many more productive years ahead of him. But again, I think he has this uh, impression as an injury prone guy. And, and I mean, that's because he is an injury prone guy, but he's, but he's like only, too, which I, I don't get. When, when, yeah. Yeah. When he's out there, it's the same. They're a similar situation, right? Like when both of those guys are out there, and, and maybe people have soured on Mike Williams because they added Quinn Johnson, and maybe they think that, uh, you know, they have a similar athletic profile. So you know, the Chargers have kind of mentally are getting ready to move on. But the ones that kind of st- stuck out to me, um, Pittman and Pickens, I just like I just don't understand how if you're not super in on either of them in, in redraft, how you could be more in on them in dynasty. It doesn't seem like their situations are a lock to change too much over the next, I don't know, two to four years at least. Right. So like we're talking like the prime of their career. Pittman is probably going to have Anthony Richardson as his quarterback. Pickens will probably have Kenny Pickett. I mean, we'll see what happens with Kenny Pickett, but, but again, right. Like for there to be a two round disparity, uh, between those two redraft dynasty, not sure that I totally get that. And Calvin Ridley, uh, I mean, I just want to say that he is being being dragged along by the Trevor Lawrence hype train. He's just he's got both hands <laughs> on the rope, <laughs> and <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence hype train is out of fucking control. <laughs> and that is. Why Calvin? And I mean, you know, people remember Ridley, but also it's just, you know, like people are high on the Jags this year. People are high on Lawrence, that offense, the Jags. I mean, I, I'm I'm not necessarily low on Ridley. I wouldn't draft him as, as, you know, as my wide receiver, too. I don't think I'm not that confident, especially in redraft. I but, am too. <laughs> just too. Yeah. Early too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, those are my thoughts. Yeah. And then uh, looking down to tight end, there honestly wasn't a lot of differences in ADP uh, at the tight end position. Tight end's kind of crapshoot to begin with. Uh, so even if you're getting older like the Kelsey's, you're still going to be valued. Uh, and there's only a couple of elite options. But one that stuck out was Ryan's boy, Gerald Everett, who in redraft was 18 and Dynasty 25. So since uh, you got an emotional attachment to him, Ryan, I'll let you uh, start with this one. Yeah, my boy. Um, during our draft, I was praying no one would take him that round as we didn't have a tight end at the time. And he was pretty much the last one that we could throw into the starting slot and then figure out the tight end position next year. So I'm assuming his dynasty value is lower because of his age, but I'm happy to see he's being drafted higher and redraft for this year because he's pretty much the only starting tight end we have on our team. So. Yeah. Uh- 
I don't have a lot of thoughts on Gerald Everett. There isn't much thought there. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much. There, there isn't much to say there. All right. He's now, all right. <laughs> moving on to keep things fresh. I thought we'd uh, play some games. A game. A game. A game. A game. Yes. Ah, I love games. Pick me. All right. Here's the game. All right. Here's the game. The first game we're going to be playing is Keep Trade Cut. You should all know this game pretty well. Um, I'm going to give you three players, and you tell me which ones you're going to keep. Trade and cut. Pretty simple. You guys ready for the first one here? Let's do it. Let's All go. right. First one, we got Kyle Pitts, Devonta Smith, and Travis Etienne. Joe, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the keep is definitively Devonta Smith. I think that one, I'm far and away the highest on him of those three. Uh, so that was easy. Um I don't really care for Pitts or ETN, but I think that ETN probably has a little more value. I think he's also getting a little bit of a of a of a tailwind from the the Trevor Lawrence hype train. So I think I would think I would cut Pitts and trade ETN. Yeah, I actually was going to say the exact same thing. Um, I talked a lot of, on the last podcast about how I'm very low on pits. Uh, so he would definitely be my cut. And then I think you have to keep Smith out of him and ETN. So also Dave, we need to add a, a counter of how many times Joe insults someone on your team so we can you know keep track. I, I'm mentally keeping track. It's <laughs> the Jags. It's, it's funny that I, that it's just the it's just, I'm just giving the opinions. I gotta open up Dave's team and put it in front of me so that I yeah so that I I maybe, I maybe shy away from sharing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to make it seem like I'm singling him out. I'll throw Ryan's team up there. And I'll, no, no, it's great. It's great. Well, well, those three players. Pitts was actually is has an ADP at three ten. Devonta's three eleven. Etn's four oh one. So those guys were all grouped together. Um, but it seems like you'd actually slide Pitts all the way to the end in that one. So moving on to number two. We got three players who are in the back half of the fifth round. We got Derek Henry, Javonta Williams, and Damian Pierce. Um, and we're doing this in, in terms of like dynasty value, right? Yeah, and we could do it in our league settings as well. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. Um, who was the third? Henry Williams and Damian Pierce. Pierce. Honestly, I probably would keep Williams. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to hope he turns it around a little bit. Uh, and then it just depends if you want to win now. I, I probably would trade Pierce and cut Henry. Uh, bold, right. bold strategy, I know, but thinking dynasty, I guess. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, I I agree. Williams would be my keep. I think I, I think you could probably get more for Henry on the trade market, um, and Pierce. I have my questions about Pierce's um, role in the new regime, and Devin Singletary's in there. He'll probably get some volume, so I think I'd probably try to shop Henry to somebody who was looking to win now and cut pierce you wait for that first 200 rushing game then you trade him that's what you do because you know it's coming yeah uh, now moving on uh the f- 
And players in a similar round, a little bit after the, the second grouping, we got DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, and George Kittle. And mind you, this is in our setting, so tight end premium. Yeah, I, I would keep Kittle, I think, um, just because of the tight end premium. And honestly, personally, I'm just kind of out on DJ Moore and Jerry Judy. I, I know there's a lot of hype, honestly, around both, you know, turning around a little bit this year. But I feel like there's DJ Moore hype every single year and then it never pans out. Um so I probably would cut DJ Moore and trade Jerry Judy. Yeah, DJ Moore would be my cut. I agree. Um, it's tough for me between Kittle and Judy, which I would keep and which I would look to trade. Um, I'm, I'm not. I think I think there are others out there who are higher on Judy. I am optimistic about Judy this year. I do think that there's upside, um, and. Kittle might be able to, not only is he older, he might be able to bring in more uh, on the trade block. So maybe just to give a different perspective, I would maybe cut more, keep Judy, hope that in Sean Payton's offense, I've been reading reading a lot of things online. I've shared with some of the guys that the role that Judy, if he plays the Michael Thomas role in the Sean Payton offense with kind of like the, the, the short slant routes and he could get a ton of volume, a ton of targets. It could really, really utilize his skill set as a elite route runner. And he actually could have a, a better year than he has, you know, demonstrated. Yeah. You know, he was a, a, a really a highly regarded prospect out of college and through the combine. So um, I think as much as I love Kittle, as much as I think Brock Purdy is going to be the quarterback there, and as much as Brock Purdy loves the tight end, uh, maybe I try and get more for Kittle on the trade market and and roll the dice with Judy. What about if Trey Lance was quarterback? <laughs> if, um, no, yeah, instant cut. No. If Trey Lance was quarterback, I definitively would keep Judy because yeah, he's and it's not it's nothing it's nothing necessarily against Lance. I, I would I would have the same opinion if if Garoppolo was the quarterback there too. It the, these are just guys who like historically have not targeted the tight end yep. and Brock Purdy just was hammering George Kittle with targets for Which those. Which is why guys. I think Kittle loves him. And I, yeah. Joe and I have Kittle in another league, and it was like a revelation. We were getting ready to trade him. We were. I was. I had some yeah. serious buyer's remorse with yeah. Kittle, and Brock Purdy came in to save the day. Yeah, huge games. Um, all right, moving to the next group. Uh, about a round later than the, the group before this, we got Jamison Williams. Williams, yeah, Jamison Williams, Brandon Ayuk, and Terry McLaurin. Three spot of young wide receivers. Or youngish. Terry's getting older, I guess. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so this one is similar situation as last time. I, I mean, I like all of these guys. Um, I think McLaurin would pretty confidently be my cut. And then... I think I would probably – I love Jamison Williams. I, I, I do. I really do. But I think that the right decision is to keep Ayuk and try to trade Jamison Williams on the promise that he can turn into an explosive receiver with the little that he's demonstrated when Ayuk, I think, is confidently 
already demonstrated that he has the ability to be a number one. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it because I have him, but I probably would cut Terry. <laughs> uh, and then I probably would keep Williamson, I think, uh, and trade Ayuk. But it's definitely close. It just depends on if you think uh, Jameson's going to have a big year this year, which seems like a lot of people do. Everyone's out on Trey Lance, but love Jameson. doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> joking. Uh, moving on to the final group here, we got a, a three-pack of running backs. We got A.J. Dillon, James Conner, and Alvin Kamara. Tough one. That's right. I felt good uh, about this last <laughs> I think you got to cut Kamara uh, just with his situation right now. And uh, who was the second one? James Connor. Connor, right. I'd probably keep Connor. See what I could get for AJ Dillon and maybe cut Kamara because I feel like. With his current situation, people are kind of out on him right now. So that's probably what I would do. Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly high on any of these guys. Just let the record. I think I would uh, cut Dylan. I, I didn't love his yards per carry numbers from last year. And uh, when Aaron Jones was putting up significantly better numbers running – against this running with the same offensive line. It's a little concerning. Um, and maybe I agree. I think Connor is the keep. Um, he has, he'll get volume in Arizona. If Kyler's healthy, they'll be, you know, a good offense, functional offense, even with Kyler, not healthy. James Connor was very, very strong at the end of last year and maybe try to trade Kamara on the prospects that, you know, he his felony was downgraded to uh what they what was it like a misdemeanor maybe or just yeah and maybe he'll be suspended for a shorter period of time and you know the name and Derek Carr yeah I I feel like I feel like there's got to be somebody in the league who would overpay for the name so I think I would try and trade Kamara. Yeah, I, I should note, it does seem like Kamara was disappointed last year anyway, um, and yeah. he's getting older, so I do think he's starting to fall off a bit. Uh, it was a misdemeanor, although I don't think the legality aspect of it, it matters a little bit, but I think it proved that, and there's video of it, that he did something wrong. Because so <laughs> yeah. he got like a better deal from a legal standpoint, I still think the league is going to take a serious look there. Uh, but yeah, so that was our first game. We're going to move on to the next one. I hope, hope everyone liked it. hope you played at home. Uh, in the comments, tell us who you would have uh, kept, trade, and cut there. We need some more uh, interactions here. Um, all right, and then the ne- we got another game. We're going to do Guess That Player. All right, so this will be a fun one to play out with everyone. Uh, I'm going to give five facts. I'm going to go in order, give one fact. See how our, our co-hosts here are trending. If uh, they think they know what it is or not, that if they don't, I'll move on to the next fact, and hopefully they can figure it out before the or figure it out by the fifth fact. And at home, you feel free to play along as well. So, with that said, I'm going to start off with our first player. We got we got six players here. The first one 
He finished as a top 10 quarterback in 2022 for the second time in his career. Hmm. Let me know if I can move on. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need probably need more, right, Joe? There's probably at least 10 quarterbacks you're thinking about. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, through the first 11 games last year, he finished outside the top 12, 9 out of 11 of those games, but finished in uh, in the final six, he f- finished in the top seven, four out of those six games. So slow first 11 games, strong back half. Trevor Lawrence? I was just going to say – that sounds you like would think so last year. You think it would be propaganda from a team, but that, I am not that kind of host, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll move on. Uh, has supported a wide receiver one four different years, including one year with two wide receivers in the top 13, and he had a fifth year where he supported a separate wide receiver 13 finish. So he basically had five different years where he supported wide receiver one, and one of those years he supported two. Wide receiver ones. This is tough. All right, I'll move on. Yeah. Has only rushed for more than 100 yards in a season once. He had one season where he had 99, so we got to count that. It's not a 100-yard rush. He's only rushed, so he's not a rushing quarterback. Huh. Ready for the last last clue? Yeah, let's hear it. He is a former number one overall draft pick. Again, not Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Does this sound like a quarterback you'd want on your team? Yeah. Say, mean, the, say, say the last one again. Former number one overall draft pick. Oh, former number one overall draft pick. <laughs> no. Who is it, Jeff? I'm going to say three. Two, one. Jared Goff. That was. That's what wow. I should have said it. Everyone's, I'm like, I'm like, did he really go one overall? Or I was never going to guess that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he's had some big seasons, and yeah. he in 2019 Woods and Cooks on the Rams were the top in the top 13, and then in 2022 Woods was also in the top 13, and he's currently the dynasty 27 quarterback at 29 years old. Seems like a value. Just throwing yeah, that out. I was going to say, that's interesting. That makes him seem like a huge value there. They're in a, the pass happy offense in, uh, out over there. And we, everyone loves Jameson and everyone loves Amon, uh, <laughs> Sun God. So I'm just saying, seems like a good, good value target there. All right. Number two in nine seasons has never finished as a QB one. Well, dichotomy here. All right. In 2023, had seven QB1 finishes, but four finishes outside of the top 24. Kirk Cousins. Nope. 
Good guess, though. I like where you're going. Nine seasons. I know. I'm trying to think of older guys. All right. Move to fact number three. Has supported a pass catcher who eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark each of the last four seasons. Matthew Stafford? Nope. All right. The last eight seasons, he averaged 128 targets a year to the running back position, which is about eight targets per game, and 120 targets per a year over the last four seasons, which is about seven a game. So Derek Carr? Derek Carr is the Derek answer. Carr. Joey, the last one. He's playing for a new Thanks. team in 2023. <laughs> so he, he, and I said pass catcher because Derek uh, Darren Waller was one of the thousand yard receiver. wasn't wide receiver, but he uh, the past four years has targeted at least one player. So Chris Olave could be that thousand yard receiver this year, and he seems to target the running back position a lot. And that was what elevated obviously Josh Jacobs last year. Got a ton of play, a lot of rushes, but he also got a lot of receptions as well. He's always, always had one uh, running back who's had like about 40 to 50 like targets and receptions. So it's a good running back situation to also target. Obviously, we talked about Kamara, but they got, uh, uh, who is it, Jay Will over there as well at running back position, and then uh, Keandre Miller. So some, some value to potentially be had in uh, New Orleans. All right, number three, has seen – both overall and running back target share percentage, uh, their share of that increase each of the last three seasons. So they've had their, uh, and this is overall and both the running back target share. So the overall percentage has grown from 9% to 12% over those uh, last three seasons and running back target percentage has increased from 31% to 52%. So been kept getting a lot more catches as a running back. Has played at least 14 games every season. Nick Chubb? Not Nick Chubb. Tony Pollard? Not Tony Pollard. Has finished outside of the top 30 running backs in 2022. Leonard Fournette? <laughs> Not Fournette. Previous two seasons, 2020 and 2021, finished as an RB1. Najee Harris? Not Harris. Thirty last year. Outside of Thursday. He was bad last outside year. Outside the top thirty last year. But the previous two years he was a top twelve running back. Uh-huh. And the last clue doesn't help too much, but it helps the Hopefully cut down the pool. He's only 25 years old, too. So, more so, I, I put these clues. Does this sound like someone you'd want on your team? Former Not really. RB1 Some... only had a bad year. Ah, okay. I, I personally would with these facts. Their, their target share continues to increase. He's played pretty much a full season every year. Uh, last year just had a down season, but the two seasons before that was an RB1 twice. Jonathan Taylor? Nope. All oh, right. Yeah. Huh. Oh, man. 
as I, I'll give you a bonus. He has a new offensive coordinator this year, and if you need me to give you the name of it, I will. The enemy. If you know oh, what team Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, who also JD McKissick and McKissick is gone. Who had I think forty targets last year as well. And the first two years, what happened? He had double digit uh, touchdowns those first two seasons, but he only had five last year. So if he gets a little uptick in those touches, uh, touchdowns with more receptions and potentially a little bit more rushes, he could be an extreme value in the current year. They also, the enemy is the former OC of the Kansas City Chiefs who saw McKinnon blow up with tons of receptions last year. So even though McKissick is gone, there may be even a bigger pool of receptions to the running back position. Yeah, let's hope for our dynasty team that I'm been pretty high in Gibson. Yeah. I'm like very excited for Gibson and Chris Canales. Probably knows because I've been trying to get a wide receiver and, and Trojan horse that uh, Gibson back onto my team. It's not happening. Uh, um, and, and that value is gone now. I'm never going to get um, Okay, now moving forward. This running back finished as a top 36 running back each of the last four seasons, including a running back two finish in each of the last two seasons. Running back two overall? No, like uh, top in RB2. Oh, okay, RB2. Okay. RB2, over, uh, so top 24 the last two seasons, top 36 the last four. Okay. Josh Jacobs. Nope. All right, I'll let you give more clues. Uh, has a career 4.7 yards per carry and has received at least 50 targets each of the last three seasons. All right. When he received at least 15 opportunities, rushes, and targets, he averaged 13 fantasy points per game in an average finish of the RB20. James Conner? Nope. But that's a solid guess, but that is not correct. Uh, has never scored more than seven rush touchdowns in a season and, and has only rushed for 16 rushing touchdowns over the last four seasons. So does not score a lot of touchdowns on the ground. And there's a reason for that. Kareem Hunt. Swift? Nope, nope. Neither no. one. Last clue is he is also playing for a new team in 2023. Miles Sanders. Nope. Good guess. That is a good guess. He didn't score a lot of touchdowns. I like that guess. Yeah. And, oh, there's a reason for it. Yeah, because they have Jalen Hurts. But think about going down that single Terry. Single Terry is the answer because of yes, Josh. I got one. All right. All right. Single Terry. Who like I uh, I think people are doubting the impact. Singletary. I know Joe alluded to it early in the show, but I I would be a little worried for Pierce because I think Single Terry is going to get a lot more work than. People yeah, Singletary's good. He's solid. And Pierce, his value came from pure volume. Uh, he got yeah. so many touches. He wasn't, like, hyperly efficient uh, all the time. So if he seeds touches, Singletary could be a value, and Pierce could be a little bit overrated. All right. We got a wide receiver that has never eclipsed 27% snap percentage in their career. Kadarius 
Kadarius Tony. Yeah, could be a lot Kadarius of guys. Kadarius Tony. Kadarius <laughs> But let me go through the rest of the clues because it's great to run through. Hold on, hold on. Let me also read a sleeper notification from today. I think the sky's the limit. He could be one of the best receivers of the league. Patrick Mahomes on Kadarius Tony. Just saying. Patrick Mahomes also said that Clyde Edwards Hilaire could be the top running back in the league and made them draft him, and he stinks. And Mahomes is not a good value of, uh, evaluator of talent. Um, but also, people have been saying that about Tony forever, and he's done nothing. Um, yeah, I'm hoping. So, we'll run through the rest of the facts. In the 19 games played, he's only received double-digit targets twice. Uh, has only finished as the top 24 wide receiver in a week on three occasions. Uh, per reception perception, who uh, Harmon does a great job in uh, breaking down wide receivers, he has a his success against man coverage is fifty eight point three percent, which is the sixteenth percentile. Success against zone is seventy three point one, which is the seventeenth percentile, and success against the press sixty percent, which is the twenty seventh percentile. That means. It's not very good. Uh, <laughs> he is very great after the catch, and his elusiveness is crazy, but he's not a good – and he's also a former first-round pick. But he's just not a good – he's a gadget player. Once he gets the balls in his hands, he can be good. But I have extreme doubts that he can ever be a legitimate full-time wide receiver. All right, so the last one. It's a wide receiver that has eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark each of the last four seasons. Tyreek Hill. I have some ideas. Okay. Not Tyreek Hill. Um, he has finished as a top 15 wide receiver each of the last five seasons. Hmm. All right. Let's move on. Any guess? No. Go give another clue first. All right. Over the past eight seasons, this wide receiver has played at least 16 games seven times, and he played, and that includes uh, 15 games back in 2016. So seven times he's played uh, 16 games, but if you lower that to 15, he's always played at least 15 games. For eight years? For eight years. Model of consistency. Devontae Adams? De- no, he oh, misses games. That's what I was going to say. No, no, he gets hurt a lot. He misses games, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, keep going. Was a top 24 wide receiver eight of the 16 games played last season and only fell out of the top 36 four times. Again, old reliable. And this last clue is not uh, a statistic, but it's kind of a giveaway hint. Stefan Diggs. So don't no. So don't get don't. Uh, just tell me what uh, division. No, I'd rather give this guess. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's Jim Gaffigan's favorite player. Do you know who Jim Gaffigan is? I do know who Jim Gaffigan. Is. That doesn't do you know help his, me. One of his b- biggest bits, or most well-known bits. Um. Hot pocket. Oh, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Uh, mm. That is right. You know, screaming value. Yeah, when you're when you gave the first clue, 
uh, which was what top twenty four the last four years. Uh, top fifteen the last uh, top fifteen wide receiver the last five seasons, but he's eclipsed a thousand yards the last four. A thousand yards the last four was your first mm-hmm. clue, yeah. and in my mind, one of the first people I thought was DK Metcalf and um like Chris Godwin. I don't know. And then I'm like, ah, those guys played four years. I don't know. They've played four years. I'm not going to throw that, those out there yet. And then I just never even circled back to see how they lock it. Yeah. 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 Guy's great. And I know that people have some concern with him. I just feel like this is, I know he's about 30, but he seems like a type of player that's going to go later in his career than most wide receivers. do. he doesn't get hurt. He's always, always on the field. He like never gets hit. Um, and I know people have talked about Doug Baldwin, who was a very good wide receiver, but I don't think he's the wide receiver. Lockett is. Baldwin was an undrafted wide receiver. Lockett was the fifth pick of the third round, pick number 69. Nice. Um, so, I don't know. I just I, I think he's a great value. And this is kind of to what we said earlier in the show. I think Lockett, uh, veterans like Lockett can be extreme values in Dynasty because people overlook him. No one wants the old and busted. Everyone likes DK Metcalf. Everyone loves JSN. But Lockett is, I think, going to have at least two to three more years of production. But those were our games. I hope you guys enjoyed. What did you guys think of those? Yeah, they're good. They're fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Good, uh, good, uh, good, good job pulling them together, host. It was fun doing it. it honestly, the storyline for the players kept like changing a little bit. And I had a couple where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do a different player. I, didn't, I thought this was going to go a different direction than it was. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so with that, uh, we're going to move to our final segment, uh, the mailbag. As three dads here, I'm sure we can all appreciate that. Here's the mail. It never fails. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. We have four questions we got here. The first one submitted by Michael Schluter, who, congrats, Schluter. Um, his uh, team, Schluter, not very creative. Um, he's asked, who in your division do you think you'll go 2-0 and on? And do you have the balls to make a bet on it? Uh, Joe, let's go to you first. Yeah. Um, my division is brutal. Uh I did take a look to see if there were any kind of schedule situations where I was catching guys on good or bad weeks. Um, it's really all going to come down to Kyler's health. If I knew Kyler was going to be healthy, and maybe that's where I'll say, if if if, if Kyler's going to start week one, then I'd probably be willing to make a bet against uh, Adam and Schluter that I could beat them both two times. Wilk, I'm not 100% sure because I would put money up against it because with his quarterback situation, I'm, I'm betting on uh, those guys not winning him a week uh, out of two shots, and I know that the likelihood of that happening is is not something that, that I would want to wager against, but assuming Kyler's full health from week one, and it, it actually matters week one, too, because I play Schluter week one and I play Adam week two, um, I'd, I'd throw some shekels on on the possibility of beating each of them twice. Yeah. Joe uh, doubling down. I like, he's not taking one, he's taking two. Here. Yeah, he's taking the whole division down. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so I'm uh, obviously in the same division with uh, Joe, Adam, and Schluter, who asked the question. Uh, and I went back and looked at my rankings, and so I have to say I feel most confident taking down Team Schluter, who I had as number nine. 
and uh, I had myself as number 10. So, you know, it should be a good showdown. And, uh, you know, I know no shooter loves betting. So uh, I talked to Sean and I asked him if he was willing to place a bet. And he said 100%. So, Schluter, <laughs> if you hear this, Schluter, uh, let us know. We will bet you a Lamar Jackson rookie card that we will go 2-0 and on you. And if we do win both times, you have to give us that elusive DeAndre Hopkins explosive card I know you have currently on sale at eBay. So uh, let us know if we have a deal. Oh, wow. I love it. That is spicy. And, you know, these are all family members, too. So they're going to have to sit around (laughs) holiday dinners about this. It's going to be a great Christmas. (laughs) I can't wait. For me, uh, honestly, I don't really feel confident, that confident about anyone in a roster, but... Kind of Joe said it. You, we play our division the first three weeks of the season, the last three weeks of the season. So that being said, I'm going to pick Scott. I know Scott has gotten picked on a little bit there, but I will say he's not going to have a fully healthy Brees Hall to start the season, so that would be an advantage for me. And then by the final three uh, three weeks of the season, he may not have a quarterback situation. So like playing those cards, I feel like I should have an advantage uh, against him. So. Uh, not something I'd want to bet on, but it uh, means uh, Scott do happen to uh, do a couple 99 uh, apples and banana bets. So maybe we can throw that out there. <laughs> what I will say uh, is every time I hear rumblings about DeAndre Hopkins possibly going to Tennessee, my first thought is, Scott, maybe uh, maybe he actually gets – I mean, they, they possibly – I think it would demonstrate they're going for it, and it certainly wouldn't. It would certainly would rule out the possibility that they're tanking the season, which means Ryan Tannehill, if he stays healthy, is going to be out there. He's going to have good targets to throw to, an additional one of the best targets in the league. So that would really change the narrative about the old disastrous Eckler for Tannehill. Exactly. Deal. So, That's why you never. Funny how things change. Yeah, you never, you actually, yeah, it's true. You never know with Dynasty. A lot of, a lot of things can change. I also have Hopkins, so I wouldn't love that position to fall. It's not the worst. You get like good amount of targets, but I'd like to be on a better team. Um, all right, moving to the next one, we got Harry uh, Harrison Kipple, whose team is what's under the towel. That's very clever. Uh, his question is. Interested to know your biggest sleeper for the 2023 season and why is it Josh Gordon? Uh, no, his real question is every year there's a surprise running back that comes out of nowhere to be an RB1 or an RB2 and helps teams win championships. Last year it was uh, Ramondre or Kenneth Walker. Who do we think it's going to be this year? Ryan, I'll toss it to you first. Since you yeah, go ahead, yeah, so great question. Uh, this kind of goes against the bet I just made because Team Schluter has the guy I'm about to mention, but I feel like you have to look for a good situation in the middle of the rankings. You have to kind of look down and find someone that can pull off a full season as a lead back, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but that guy for me this year is Alexander Madison. Uh, He's around the RB20 in redraft, uh, and we talked about his redraft value being higher than dynasty value, but uh, I think he has the situation, the opportunity to finish as, you know, a top 10 back and help someone win a championship this year. And we've already seen him crush in a lot of games that Dalvin Cook was out. Um, the problem has always been that he never got the lead back role uh, and Cook is gone now. And I don't think there's too much depth really behind him. So uh, that would be my pick. Yeah, so... 
funny. I, I, I kind of interpreted this one as, um, or I looked at it from a lens of rookie running backs that might kind of like that could be mostly because, uh, you know, the question got me thinking, uh, the guys that, uh, Harrison mentioned were Stevenson and Kenneth Walker, who were both, uh, Young was was Stevenson was a rookie last year or two years ago? Two years ago, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Kenneth Walker rookie last year. So my immediate thought was Kendry Miller. Um, I like the situation in New Orleans. There, we talked about Kamara with potential suspension looming and not the best uh, yards per carry numbers last year. And a lot of times, right, it's about the opportunity for these guys just to kind of like get on the field and demonstrate. Um. I don't think Jamal Williams is, is an every down back. I don't think that the, the Saints acquired him to be an every down back. So if it's, just, if it's a situation where Kamara's out six, eight games, something like that, and Kendra Miller has the opportunity to get on the field, even if he's only out four games and Kendra has the opportunity to get on the field, he averaged seven yards per carry throughout college. He has really, really solid elusiveness ratings. Not a huge guy, but he runs aggressively downhill and – I just think that his style is going to translate and with Kamara kind of kind of over the hill, it just feels like it's a good situation for uh, for Kendra Miller and an honorable mention. Uh, I'll throw out Ty J Spears because um, I do think that. I mean, Derrick Henry is defying all the odds in terms of his productivity, despite the amount of mileage he has on the tank and the amount of hits that he's taken and. Um, if anything, if he were to miss any time, Spears is another one who a lot of the, the knock against Spears is longevity concerns because of his knee injury history. But he Lack also of an ACL. Yeah. I mean, the guy like absolutely positively tore it up throughout his entire college career has incredible explosiveness. And if he's going to be if he's going to have a great NFL career, he's going to burn bright like a shooting star. Uh, so those are two guys that I think I would not even be a little bit surprised if by the end of the year, those are guys that are, are on championship teams. Yeah. And kind of echo the point. I know, uh, rookies are generally the answer in this, uh, question because every year rookies end up in the top 24. Uh, and it, a lot of it is like the depth chart play. So like Joe mentioned a couple of them, but I think think Bigsby, Chase Brown, A-Chain, even Roshan Johnson, all have a chance. I'm not picking those guys, but those are all guys that if they ended up doing there, wouldn't it like shock me because those are the type of players that usually end up there. But for non-rookies, there's a couple who I think about. Like I could see maybe a Kenneth Gainwell going in there just because the guys ahead of him are not picture of health. Uh, and he, he had like a nice playoff run. Damian Harris could end up getting a decent amount of touchdowns if it doesn't go to Josh anymore. So I could see him actually sneaking up there if he gets double-digit touchdowns. But uh, a dark horse guy who I've been rising on is Jalen Warren. Uh, he, he was up great on the field last year. He's getting a lot of hot hype this year. Najee Harris still, I think, is the bell count. I think he Najee has – people are lower on him than they should be. But I do think Jalen's going to get out there a lot more. And he was very productive when he got the touches. And I, I think he's only going to continue to get better. So I think he's someone who could potentially sneak into that the top 24, top 30 running backs for the year. Appreciate you having something good to say about my team, Dave. Thank you. I know. Uh, <laughs> time to return the favor. Don't Thank you. <laughs> Um, all right, moving down to Chris Canellos of Comerica Industries. Which player is going to be the biggest bust this season? I'll jump in. I got two. Well, 
My number one, Trevor. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I have two thoughts with this one. So first, first player that comes to mind is Cam Akers. I know a lot of the industry is high on Cam Akers. I, I just I want to. To me, it's a, it's a probability play that there hasn't been any running back ever who's come back and, and provided sustained productivity after tearing an Achilles tendon ever. Uh, I mean, Deontay Foreman is probably the best example of that. And even he's had kind of off and on productivity. I think that um, Aker's performance last year was a little, a, a hair misleading, a hair volume dependent. He scored a lot of touchdowns. The team is going to be terrible this year. Uh, they're going to give up a lot of points. They're going to be frequently playing from behind. Stafford is healthy. They're going to. They, I, I just. I think that's going to be a passing offense, and I just don't think that Cam Akers is is going to deliver on the promise. I don't. I'm not necessarily sure that Cam Cam was even that great to uh, you know pre injury. You know, we didn't really get to see all that much. He kind of like came out and and was a strong performer in the playoffs and then got hurt in training camp the, the, the next year. So um, not to say that he won't have any value. Um, and then I, I, my honorable mention for biggest bust, I'm going to have to say is going to be Brees Hall. Not to say that he's not an amazing player and that I wouldn't want him on a dynasty roster. But again, I think second round ADP for a guy who uh, the team is, uh, they have running back depth. Um, you know, Michael Carter's there, they drafted a running back and they're, they're like the, they and, and New England, I think are like the top two, you know, odds on favorites with a little bit of Miami sprinkled in to land Dalvin Cook, right? So if Brees Hall was healthy, um, they would not be, or, and I say healthy with quotes, right? He'll, he might be out there, but if he was his, if he was his normal self, they would not need to pay Dalvin Cook. So, um, I think it's going to be a murky situation at best. We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers, but I, I, I think a lot of people are going to draft Brees Hall in the second round, and he's going to tank their team. You want to go, Dave? Yeah, sure. I'll jump in. Uh, so I, there's three guys who I was thinking about. That I don't know if they'll be complete flops, but I think people are higher on them than they really should be. Uh, one, Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think he's like a top end quarterback anymore. I made a bet with uh, someone in another league last year. He wasn't going to be a QB one and that paid off. Uh, he, he looks like a shell of himself. He has all the same receivers again, again, except for Garrett Wilson, who is otherworldly. So like that is an upgrade, but it's not like he complained about his wide receivers and they brought him all over to the jets. Um, so I just don't see him being a top half quarterback this year and I think some people for the current season think he will be um Jerry Judy to me I think is getting too much hype I think he will be better in the offense but I just don't think he's a wide receiver one I think he's more of a back half wide receiver two I think he's overrated uh as a uh route runner he he has he has had big games but he's also had so many games where he doesn't do anything so like I just I don't get why there's so much hype on the player. I understand he came out of the draft a lot of it, but he hasn't really shown it on the field consistently. Um, and there's other wide receivers, like obviously Tim Patrick is older, come back from like an injury, but like he's looked better from a box score standpoint for most of his career than Judy has shown on a week to week basis. Uh, and you're also betting that Russell Wilson 
is not garbage again. So like, there's a lot of questions there. I don't, I don't know if I buy into the, the hype there. And then my biggest one is Travis Etienne. Uh, even though I like the Jags uh, hype, I like, I just don't get it. I know he had a great start of last season. It wasn't as great the back half of the season. Um, and his was a volume play with like getting a ton of rushes, which I don't think he's going to have as much now because they drafted Bigsby. His biggest asset coming out of college was his receiving skills, which they don't really utilize, which I don't understand why they don't utilize. But that's also where it's more valuable to catch a pass than it is to rush the ball itself. So unless he gets an uptick there and gets the goal line touches, which he may not get, again, because Bigsby profiles kind of as that type of running back. I just think ETN is more of like a running back, too, who people think could be like a top five running back, which I just don't see. So those are my three guys. But what about you, Ryan? Yeah, so I, I like the Jerry Judy pick. He was actually on my short list. Um, but I decided to kind of look at the top of the rankings. And I want to say before I mention this guy, I'm not saying he's bad at all. And I think he'll have a great season. But for where he's being drafted, I think he will be a bust in terms of value. Uh, for me, it's Justin Fields. Uh, he was insane as a runner in 2022. I looked up the stats. He ran for 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, had a 7.1 yards per carry average as a quarterback. And in week nine, he broke the single game rushing record for a quarterback. There's just no way that that level of rushing is sustainable in 2023. And as a passer, he averaged 150 passing yards a game, and he only topped 200 yards twice last year. So yeah, yeah, I, you know, the Bears traded for DJ Moore. I know that's what everyone keeps saying. And, you know, they should have a better offensive line. But to me, the hype that Fields is guaranteed to make the same leap that Jalen Hurts made last year is too high. And again, I'm not saying he won't be good, but he's being drafted as the QB five or six and redraft ahead of guys like Lawrence and sometimes even ahead of Justin Herbert. And I just think taking him that high will be a bust in terms of value. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree there. There's a lot that has to go right for Fields. Um, and he just, even though you get a good receiver and you've seen it work for other quarterbacks, you still have to be a good passer to hit that wide receiver. So we haven't yeah. fully seen that from Fields yet. Yeah. I don't know yeah interesting. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> my, my take is I'd, I'd much rather have um, Herbert than Fields. Yeah. I think I would could probably rank those... Herbert and then maybe Fields and Lawrence. I think I, I view them as a similar similar tier. But I think that I I think the comparison to Jalen Hurts is appropriate. Uh because they had a very Jalen Hurts's two years ago was was pretty similar to Justin Fields's last year. Um you know, nobody really anticipated Jalen Hurts making the, the leap that he made. I mean, Dave and I traded him in a dynasty at the end of the season before last. And, you know, you just kind of assume that these guys aren't going to ever put it together, throwing the football and maybe fields won't. But I think as a passing prospect coming out of college fields was a little more appealing to me throwing the ball. So I have some hope that maybe he'll, he'll take a similar leap to Hertz, but I, I agree with you at ADP. I would rather have some of the other guys that are going uh, around the, the, same, the same area that he is. Yeah. And I think that's the issue for me is it's, he's basically being drafted as if he already made 
the leap that Hertz made and it's guaranteed to happen. And it's not necessarily an easy leap to make. And Hertz last year, I remember in a redraft league, he wasn't drafted as a top 10 quarterback. So people drafting fields that high already, you know, there's some chance that it doesn't happen. And then he'll, he'll be a bust pick when he's your top guy. Very little margin of error, basically. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Moving to the final one. This is a, a little fun fun one. Diving back into the old, old memory bank. We got uh, Matt Rosinski from Dan's team, of course. Uh, favorite all-time fantasy player from any year? Right, Oz, why don't you go first? Yeah, so I'm probably going to get some flack for this because this podcast is filled with Giants and Jets fans, but I'll never forget Randy Moss schooling defenses in 2007, uh, his first year on the Patriots. It was insane to watch. And at the time, 2007, I was a freshman in college. So, you know, anything that relates to being a freshman in college obviously gets a huge increase in value considering (laughs) it's the best time ever. Um, And it was actually the first year that we did the other league that Dave and I are in, Malls Another Terrified Toilet, coincidentally named after Matt, who asked the question. Uh, so yeah, Randy Moss in 2007 had nearly 1500 yards, 23 touchdowns that year. Um, just ridiculous numbers. And I feel like he was always a cool player to watch. Understandable. It's a good pick. What about you, Joe? Uh, so yeah, a couple things come to mind. I mean, when I think about like uh, my mind immediately went to, to those like early years of playing fantasy football as well, which for me were, um, freshman year of college. I remember the first draft that I ever took part in, I had like the number two or the number three pick. We were in the dorms and it was like, you know, three guys in my my dorm suite and then the other guys across the hall. And I took Reggie Bush with like the second or third pick, which as you can imagine, Reggie Bush was nowhere near ranked in the top 10. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I got to pick this guy because he returns punts, he returns kicks, probably going to score a lot. He's real explosive. And I was the laughing stock of like the entire floor for making that pick. And... So that is kind of one of the early things that comes to mind. And ironically, right, you know, you mentioned, you know, the whole Giants fan situation. I had the Tony Romo, Terrell Owens stack for two years in college. And I like legitimately remember sitting in class uh, trying to acquire Terrell Owens via trade and actually acquiring him via trade uh, to complete the stack and, so that was a uh, that was nice to have. Again, throwing it back, those were really the uh, the best days of fantasy football, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, T.O. was a good one. He was another fun player to watch. Yeah, I mean, some ones I know a lot of people would mention is Ladainian Tomlinson. I never owned him, so it was hard for me to own him. Sean Alexander was another fun one. The players that I did own that changed the game for me was Andre Johnson and Wes Walker. Wes Walker, they were like PPR machines before people really picked up on the PPR aspect. Antonio Gates, where you got that first tight end like like asset, where like the Kelsey now you get that advantage. Antonio Brown was wild. I had for a year like and Calvin Johnson, but the one guy who I love the most because I won championships, and that's like what ties my uh, emotional bond to the most was Jamal Charles. Uh, love Jamal Charles. Like the other guys helped shape the, my like mindset and how I, I strategize my game. But Jamal Charles 
who was never well eventually became like the rb1 drafted but when i got him he was like i think maybe rb4 so i got him in the mid first but from 2012 to 2014 was just silly in the 2013 uh, season in nearly 2,000 yards and 19 touchdowns with 70 receptions like these guys put up stats that, like, if they did that today, like, people would be losing their minds. You just don't see, uh, like, stat lines like that anymore. Uh, so I always remember him, like – and it could be going, like, the best part about Jamal Charles is that you would – it could be the fourth quarter. He has 20 yards, but you're like, I'm not worried. And then he rips off an 80-yard touchdown and you win your week. It was the best feeling. I never, ever was concerned with him on my team. So he was probably my number one. I don't think I ever owned him once. I, I remember – kind of like just shying away oh you know like there's always like 10 times a game where he gets kind of like drilled on the the sidelines and he's he's dead yeah and you know a lot of his production relies on pass catching a little unreliable he's not a a huge between the tackles guy so i was like i'll pass on jamal charles and then i end up watching you know the games in red zone and it's just a Jamal Charles highlight reel. And I'm like, why don't I ever own this guy? But, um, <laughs> my favorite player every time I go to the draft. Because he was never like the top three pick. I'm just like, come on, give me like the fourth or fifth pick of the year. I just all I need. <laughs> yep. Not a flashy uh, enough name for me. Dumb. But it was fun. This was a fun episode, guys. It was uh, it was nice to do some games, get, to, get some throwback memories. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, appreciate the time that you put in to kind of like pull together some some good uh, keep trade cut questions, some good guess the players, and and we kept this one uh, to a a respectable hour and fifteen minutes, which I think the league will appreciate as well. So. That's pretty good better. For us. Yeah. We're getting <laughs> better at it. Let's fucking go. Yeah, that was a fun podcast. It was nice to not just talk fantasy analysis and actually play some games, and I think uh, the listeners can play along which will make it a fun episode for them as well yeah absolutely and honestly i want to give a special shout out again to harrison kippel dj dirty work with the beats for the intro and outro so thank you so much signing off peace SFW Dynasty Podcast. Tune in next time.